right, guys, what is going on today? We are here and we're going to have one of the most important conversations that we've ever had. I woke up last night at about 3 a.m. and sent myself this email because I just kind of couldn't stop thinking about it once I started. And I realized we really haven't had this discussion yet. And it's probably the most important discussion that we're going to have. The discussion is really going to be based around stress. And we're going to talk through every component of this. So all the components of stress that kind of come into our lives, why that happens, and then how we can counteract stress. So first, let's talk a little bit about stress and what stress is and why stress is. So stress really is the release of the hormone cortisol into our body. And when we become stressed, and we'll talk about different forms of stress here in a second, but when we become stressed, we raise our cortisol levels. And because of that, at certain different degrees of that severity, right? So if we're like, hyper stress, like somebody breaks into our house at two in the morning and like we've got to protect our family. That is like the ultra degree of stress. Like our, we're going to shoot from zero to a hundred and all of our non-vital, uh, you know, components of our body are basically going to shut down so that we can kick the adrenaline into high gear and focus, uh, at like this hyper intense level. And so really what we're going to discuss here is, is how that cortisol kind of affects what's going on in our body, both negatively and positively, and why it's such an imperative way of how we work as humans. So if you can think back to like Paleolithic era where we had to hunt and gather our food, we needed to have a really acute sense of our survival. And so we have this kind of hierarchy of needs. If you guys aren't aware of that, you can Google it. There's a million different books and papers and stuff discussing that. But really survival is our biggest one, our most important one. And then from there, it's things that are negatively affecting our potential to survive. And thing, those are things like status and security and sexual reproduction and things along those lines. So those things have a very direct impact on our stress levels, because if you can take yourself back to those days, if we were, if we didn't have security, right, if we didn't have sexual reproduction and we didn't have status, well, then we would die effectively or our, you know, our family line, our tribe would not be able to continue on. And so we became this really great adaptive species that could become super in tune with that stress level. And then when we were the most threatened in any of those capacities, then we would become hyper stressed. We could hyper focus and we could take action against the animal or the other tribe that was trying to come in and kill us or threaten our security or threaten our status and so on. So the important thing to know there is that this is ingrained in us as human beings. You can't stop your reaction to what happens in and around you. Okay. So you can't stop the stresses that are going to come in. You can't stop what stresses you. And if you take a step back and we think about the things that are stressing us, a lot of times it's going to fit into kind of one of those three things. And so if we're stressing about stuff at our job, a lot of the reason that we stress at stuff at our job is we view money and as security, basically, and also as status. And 
if we don't have that security, if we don't feel like we're in a good place with our job, if we feel like we might be able to get laid off or, you know, we won't be able to get promoted and we're going to be stuck from a security and a status standpoint, and we already are maybe behind on bills and some of these other things, we start to get elevated stress levels in and around that job. And as you start to get more and more people relying on you and your job, you're also going to carry the stress of their safety and security. And that's sort of the safety and security that leaders have, leaders of tribes. Again, same thing. If you were the king of a tribe, you were responsible for not just your own safety and security, but also the safety and security of others. And so we feel as leaders of people who we're in charge of other people's jobs and other people's status and other people's well-being, we also feel the stress from them. So when those elevated cortisol levels kind of come in, what happens, right? And really, this is the important thing for us to note here is what happens is certain systems elevate and certain systems shut down. And the most important of these that I want you guys to be thinking about is our creativity systems. So the ones that give us imagination and dreams allow us to problem solve and think through issues at a deeper level. And that really is what makes us like innately human. A lot of other animals have these stress, you know, reactions and can attack and go into a safety mode and all these other things. But what they don't have is the ability when their cortisol levels come down is to creatively problem solve, right? So it happens when we are stressed. And this is what's so interesting about it is, especially when you start thinking about job stress, because this is kind of new age stress. When we think about stress, what happens is we start to kind of shut down these non-vital things like our creativity system, our problem solving systems. And so our brain isn't going to be working at the capacity a lot of times that we need it to so that we can look at the problem objectively, think through how we're going to fix it and come up with a worthwhile solution. So if you guys have ever heard of the sleep test, right, give it the sleep test. This is the reason why is because you're stressed about that decision. That stress is elevating your cortisol levels. And as a byproduct of that, you're not able to tap into your creative problem solving systems because that part of your brain is not operating at its full capacity because it's dealing with that stress. So when we go to sleep, sleep is a great resetter of a lot of our chemical imbalances. So we go to sleep, we wake up in the morning, our levels, our chemical levels are all kind of back reset where we want them to be. And guess what? We can think clearly about the problem that we're facing. We can think clearly about the issues and how we could maybe work through that challenging puzzle piece and come up with a good even keel solution. And so that's a really cool way to know how the human body works. But here's where people start to get into issues with this is we do a lot of things and you can do things nutritionally. You can do things it just in your day to day life that are stressful, that don't come with a chemical reset. And all we're doing is adding stress on stress on stress on stress. There's also a lot of negative health implications of having elevated cortisol levels ad infinitum, right? So if you're just always at an elevated cortisol level, that's bad. 
And so people who are stressed, like mentally stressed at work, and they are chugging coffee all day long, well, coffee elevates your cortisol levels, right? It's a performance enhancer. What it does is it's going to elevate those systems so that we can hyper-focus. However, a lot of times coffee is not going to necessarily go hand in hand with de-stressing or coming back down. So we kind of get onto this roller coaster ride and somebody who's stressed and is chugging coffee is not going uh, the right direction for them to get themselves unstressed, which a lot of times that might be the best answer for them to figure out the problem or figure out the thing that they're dealing with or come to a good kind of solution. So as we start thinking about that, we need to be very wary and understanding of things that come with an elevated cortisol level. We also need to understand what that's going to mean and how we really kind of should have that nice even keel kind of ebb and flow throughout the day. So just a short list of things that how kind of cortisol plays a role in your body and kind of some of the things that it generally is going to have an impact on. So it manages how your body uses carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. It manages how your body controls and keeps inflammation down, regulates your blood pressure, increases your blood sugar. It controls your sleep cycles and it boosts your energy and motivation and helps restore balance after you do experience stress. And so this is kind of where the workout part of this comes in, right, is we need to have a clear understanding of how something stressful like a workout affects our cortisol levels. And so I always used to say working out for me used to be very like, I used to say religious, right? It used to be like a religious experience. And the reason why was I would have all these things that were going through my mind and I would be stressed and I would be moody and I wouldn't be in a good place. And then I'd have this workout and I'd have this like calm peace kind of come over me where there's nothing you could think about except for the barbell in front of you or the road in front of you or whatever it is. That was what consumes you in that moment. And your brain kind of just shuts off to all the other crap that it's got going on. And I always love that. And then when you come down out of the workout, your levels are balanced out. And we are back at a place where we're not stressing about the things, at least as much as we were. We're not operating in that kind of fight or flight elevated cortisol level. And we're back at a good place. We have more kind of homeostasis within our body. And that's why we start to feel good after workouts is we're going to get a drop in cortisol. We're going to get elevation in dopamine and some of these other great hormones that come from exercise, endorphins, etc. And as we start to kind of look through that, exercise is a fantastic way for us to kind of control some of these stresses. So let's walk through some scenarios, okay? Here's something that we see a lot, and tell me if this has ever happened to you guys. We're having a rough day at work. We're super stressed about an upcoming project or something that's going on. We're getting a lot of things are kind of piling up on top of us. Maybe even something in our personal life is also bothering us. It's one thing, it's two things, it's three things. And all of a sudden you're kind of sitting there saying, oh my gosh, when it rains, it pours, you know, and and here we go. And, you know, you start getting moody and you had planned when you left the house that morning that you were going to come and you're going to hit 430 workout that day. That was your plan. I was going to, you know, I'm going to hit 430. It's going to feel great. I'm looking forward to it. That was where your mind space was at. But 
all this crap just piled up on top of you. And you're just like, no, you know, I don't want to go. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to eat. Right. We go home and maybe we don't make the best decisions in terms of nutrition. Maybe we grab a pizza on the way home. Cause I, you know, I really don't want to cook and maybe we have cookies. Maybe we do something else. And then you maybe don't sleep great that night because your mind's just racing. You have all this stuff. Well, let's think about what we did. Let's think that through from more of a chemical perspective. What you did is you basically took took your mind and your body, which is at this kind of elevated cortisol levels, right? It's in this fight or flight mode and you're dealing with problems. And when we're dealing with problems, we need to take time and come up with a good, thoughtful, well-balanced solution to those problems. Okay, It requires us to be at our best. But instead, what you did is you let those elevated cortisol levels not only go throughout the day, And then one of the things that you could have done to help reset those or get your mind back to a clear space exercise, you skipped out on. Then when we went home, we ate poorly. Guess what that does, right? Yep. Doesn't help you rebalance your system. So now we've added some gut stress in there and now our body's not going to be digesting well. And guess what? That's not going to help you get back to a good place. So now we don't feel great. And then what do we do? Sleep the great rebalancer of everything that we use. Well, now we don't sleep very well. And so guess what you did? You basically kind of took every opportunity you could to ensure that you were going to continue to feel crappy, to ensure that you're going to continue to feel every ounce of that stress from every one of those things that were lying on top of you. And this is what's so interesting to me about our society. And, you know, when we start talking with people, one of the biggest reasons that people end up quitting the gym is job stress, job time, can't handle both. And how interesting is that when you take it in this context, right? The one thing or the two things that you could start to do to relieve yourself of those stresses, you're now going out of your way to walk away from, right? And when you start to see that, when you start to understand that from this kind of deeper perspective or this deeper level, you really start to feel bad for people because it becomes a trap. It's a really, really bad trap. And it's the trap that leads people to an early grave. It's the trap that leads people to consistent unhappiness and depression. And all of these hormones, like you guys can see how that kind of sets you like one and then two and then three, right? So we've got elevated cortisol levels. We can't keep the inflammation down. We have high blood pressure and our blood sugars out of whack all day long. And because of that, we don't sleep very well. And because of that, we don't use our carbohydrates, fats, and proteins very well. And all of the positive emotions, all the positive chemicals that would come in and help rebalance that, all of the things that create those, we've now removed from our life. And this is why we see people get into these downward spirals and not get themselves out quickly, right? Because getting yourselves out quickly of a downward spiral would be really, really, really simple. We'll talk about that in a little bit, how you would do that. But they actually intentionally take steps to dig themselves deeper. And why do they do that? 
Well, because they're not thinking clearly, because they have elevated cortisol levels, because they're not doing the things to balance this out. And you guys can see how this goes, right? You're shutting down the, the logical, the creative, the parts of your brain that help you make good decisions. You're intentionally blocking them off because you have to deal with this stress right in front of you. And the sad part about this is when we start to look at people, so you can start to see people who are stressed and who are not stressed. We actually as humans can recognize this. And this is why people who are not in a great place in their lives gossip a lot. Why? Because they are stressed about their status in society, right? If you watch somebody who comes in, they're super happily married. They work a job that they love and they're making plenty of money. They don't have things to stress about in their lives, right? Let's say they have great meditative processes. They exercise five days a week and they sleep. When they walk in, you can see just in the way they carry themselves, in the way that they talk to other people, we actually can pick up on this in other human beings. And this is like uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 uh, rules of life. It's the first chapter. It's what he talks about is how we... just kind of control and are obsessed with status. And so when we see that, what do people who are very low on the status, who can't find a spouse, who can't keep a job, who don't have money, what, what do they do? Well, they gossip and they try to tear that person down because they are threatened by that person's safety, status, and security. And that is kind of what gossip is. And so when you start to see people who are in that boat, who are doing very well, believe in what they're doing, so on, they always talk about like, uh, you know, don't listen to the haters, like who cares? And they can just actually brush those people off because they actually are not threatened in any way. They don't feel the stresses that maybe even middle and lower class people feel. And so they feel no need to gossip about others. They feel no need to defend themselves. They have this kind of easygoing flow that seems like a calm that kind of overstays them. If you ever talk to people like this, you can feel their calm. You can feel their patience. You can feel their their actual void of stress. And that then makes those people more attractive to people, right? That makes It makes other people want to be more like them if they're not trying to tear down their status and take their position. Uh, And this is what's worrisome about cancel culture is we start to get people now with Twitter and Facebook and email who are low on the status end, you know, and are threatened daily. And they probably give in to all this rhetoric. Our news cycle doesn't help. So we're bombarded with this, like, you're not safe in the schools. You're going to get shot. You know, you're not safe. You're never going to be able to, you know, make anything of yourself because you've got these student loans. And, you know, you're going to be totally screwed if you ever have a hospital bill because health insurance sucks and you're threatened and you're this. And so these people just start to, like, freak out and they start to tear everybody down who's going to make those things happen more. Right. And the same thing happens when we start thinking about, you know, you see a let's just take this Saturday night live guy you see a successful comedian you see somebody who's doing really well and you see successful comedians like dave Chappelle and bill burr like they do and say whatever they want and they don't care what people think because they are totally secure in their safety they feel no stress about what's going to come to them if they do a controversial set 
Right. But we start to see people, this guy, this comedian for Saturday Night Live, he said something years ago on a podcast somewhere. And all these people who are, you know, aspiring comedians or who weren't seeing success in their lives were like, oh my God, like he's a racist. You can't hire him and you this and you that. And they are threatened in that space. They're stressing about things. They're stressing about status things that just don't really concern them. But because they're so ingrained in just soaking this chemical up and soaking and like almost being caught in the downward spiral of feeling that way and having those hormones so imbalanced, they can't help but be consumed by that process by constantly feeling like they're in this fight that they have to be, you know, fighting that they, that they have to be, you know, creating some aggression on. And it's a, it's a scary kind of thing to think about. So back to kind of the topic here, when we understand these things, right, understand what's giving you stress, it's going to help you understand your emotional reaction to things, right? When you gossip about somebody else, why do we gossip about them? Think about that. Why do we not like that person? Why do we, you know, talk behind their back? Is it because they're in a more comfortable status position than we are? Is it because they have more safety and security financially than we do? Is it because they have a more attractive spouse or they have a spouse and so they have the sexual the possibility to sexually reproduce? Is it because they have better, better self-esteem than we do? All those things are sort of ingrained in our nature. And when we are threatened in those things, we respond in this kind of defensive way. And that's our chemical reaction. And so when you hear these people who are like, you know, hey, never gossip, never do this, never do that. Basically, what they're saying is we it's it's kind of a backwards like you can't just say, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't give in to your body's natural you know, process. It's, that's impossible. What you can do is you can work really hard to control your cortisol levels so that you don't feel so stressed about these things all the time. And as a byproduct of that, you will not feel the need all the time to defend yourself or to threaten other people so that you can you know, take their position, etc. So this is kind of the, the underlying context. And hopefully you guys understand a little bit more about cortisol and how it affects us and why it's such a negative thing in our lives. So now let's discuss how we counteract that. So we're going to discuss the big three here. And I'm going to start with one that people I don't think do very often. And that's meditation. And if you've ever heard the saying, if you can't meditate for 20 minutes, then you need to meditate for two hours. If you ever have heard that saying, let's break that saying down. Why would that be? Okay, so if you think, if you're so stressed, if you think that you're so busy and you have so much important stuff going on and you're so stressed all the time that you can't spare 20 minutes, do you guys follow that? Okay, if you can't spare the 20 minutes, if you think that you're above meditation in that capacity, why do you need two hours? Because that means that you're so far gone with that stress homer and you're so far gone in your decision making and your thought processes that you're not thinking clearly enough to do what your body really needs to do what your mind really needs to think through those processes the right way and make the good decision for yourself 
of taking 20 minutes out. And so that means that you need two hours to actually reset yourself, to actually reset those levels, to actually get to a place where you can tap into your creative brain and allow your logic and your creativity and your problem solving parts of your brain start to come back to a place where they can start to make the right decisions for you moving forward. So that saying I thought has always just been such a great one because if you understand what it's trying to say, then and and understand it more at like just the chemical level, why it actually it's not just a saying. Like I think if we just say that, you can kind of think about it. You're like, oh yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. But what it's really saying is you're so stressed, you're so far gone in your thinking from this that 20 minutes isn't even gonna cut it right now. Like you need to take the time to de-stress. And so when we think about meditation, what we're trying to do is basically take that, the noise, right? The noise and the pressure, the stress that is kind of imposing itself. So let's take that scenario we used earlier. Let's say you've got work and personal and three or four things and they're all piling up and they're just, just weighing in on top of you. And I just, oh my gosh, I can't find time to do this. I can't find time to do my workouts. I can't, I'm just, and you're just like this uh, scatterball, right? If that's where you're at, The absolute best thing for you is to take a beat. Just take a moment. Take 15 or 20 minutes. Let yourself remove that stress from your body. Let it sink away. And then let the creative and the problem-solving parts of your brain come in and start to look a little bit more even keel and objectively at the problems that are facing you. Come up with a good prioritization system and then start to take systematic action. And that's really the point of meditation is to sort the things that need to be stressed about and to unsort the things or deprioritize the things that don't need to be stressed about. And this is something that is a process. When they talk about meditation, something that you just have to work at and you have to try to get better at. At first, a lot of it is just honestly just quieting the noise, quieting the pressure, just taking some of that stuff and just kind of organizing and sorting it. But the next tier of that is to start to think about taking from that sorting and organizing and starting to kind of allow yourself to prioritize and problem solve from there. So meditation is a huge one. And Honestly, there. if you start to look at some of the most impactful, successful, intelligent people in the world, they all have a pretty in-depth system for meditation, at least 20 minutes, if not 30, 45, 60 minutes a day. And a lot of things that people do sometimes are masked, like it is meditation, but it's masked as non-meditation. This also is why something like reading is so important. Reading is something that provides the mind with almost no stress. It's de-stressing, right? And what it does is it fires up the creativity zones of the brain, the problem-solving zones of the brain. This is also why people recommend playing games and doing puzzles that challenge the mind, working on problems consistently. And when you're in school, a lot of times like this stuff is sort of given to you. But once we start to remove ourselves from school, we almost have to go out of our way to seek these things that allow the creative part of our brain to start to fire. And it's a muscle like we need to practice that. We need to flex that muscle. We need to continue to work on it. And if we don't tap into some of these things, you guys can see how this is like it's a systematic process. And if we're just not doing any of it. 
man, it's, we're degrading. Our mind is slowly degrading. And as a byproduct of that, we're not going to control the chemical imbalances that we face, the stresses that we face. We're not going to control that stuff well. And as a byproduct of that, our body, our systems, all this stuff that is just doesn't shut down, doesn't work optimally, right? Our body does not work optimally when we're working at elevated cortisol levels all day long. Okay. So that's meditation. And if you guys aren't doing it, I highly, highly, highly recommend starting. One of the big things that I want to start doing with Maria is I want to start doing puzzles. Now, K Money, I don't think she listens to podcasts, but man, she has been doing puzzles. She's like a puzzle freak. It's it's amazing. And I I was kind of always confused by it. I was like, who does puzzles, right? Like my brother always did puzzles with my grandmas growing up and I didn't really like them. I didn't understand them. And so this is going to be such a great pursuit for me because I am going to be terrible, right? I'm not going to be good at this at all. And it's going to be challenging for me. It's going to test me. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to the challenge that that's going to provide me uh, and stimulating that sort of creative part of the brain. And what my guess is going to happen is I'm going to be sitting there like doing a puzzle. And at first, my mind is going to be like wandering about all the problems, all the stuff that I'm facing, all the things I have to do. Oh, my gosh, I have all these things that I have to do. And I'm sitting here for 30 minutes doing a puzzle like, oh, that's such a waste. Why would I do that? And like, that's our, that's our, it's going to take a little bit for me to kind of get over that and realize just like exercise, it's a requirement for me to make the best decision in the long term for me, my mind, my body, and sacrifice some of those just like, you know, short term fires that we all feel like we have to put out all every day. And we, we stress about every day. So that's how I'm going to kind of start to think about that. And there's a million ways you can do it. Obviously, I try to read still quite a bit. Uh, I've started to pick that back up, which is good. I listen to a lot of podcasts, which stimulates a lot of my creative brain. It might not for you. And uh, I meditate, I would say, at least three to four times a week. I try to do more. I probably should do every day. Maria told me the other day I need to do every day, which probably means I I need to do twice every day. Because when somebody starts saying that to you, it means that they're recognizing the benefit that it provides to you. And you're losing that benefit. So... That's kind of where I'm at with that. Now, next piece, let's talk about some fun ones, okay? Exercise is one that a lot of you guys are actively participating in, which is so fantastic, but we need to understand what it actually does for us. And this is what has started to frustrate me about CrossFit and performance over the years, is we have a slight misconception, I think, sometimes, and, you know, exercise with people in America is a big kind of carrot in the stick thing. It's, you know, okay, so we have to keep people engaged. We have to keep it fun so that people keep coming back. And so that, you know, they continue to get better. And, you know, we kind of go down that, that road and what CrossFit tend to, you know, really want to do with that is the, you know, the concept of men die for points, right. And women too, right. Uh, Greg Glassman, unfortunately is, is sort of a misogynist ladies. Um, and, so he, you know, kind of said men will die for points. So if we, you know, do grace and we put a couple of, you know, people next to each other, they will want to inherently have the kind of status hit and the flex on people to beat them. We are inherently competitive in our nature and that will cause people to try harder. That will cause them to get a better workout. That will cause them to physiologically adapt to be better. Good idea in principle. Right. What has happened, though, or what unfortunately kind of became a byproduct of that is it sort of became all about 
status and all about performance and beating the person next to you and doing the RX weights because we're worried more about what people think about our workouts than we are about what the workout actually provides us. And when we start to get to that point, uh, it's not a benefit anymore, right? Trying to push performance, performance, performance. Well, what you're actually doing a lot of times, and I did this for years, unfortunately, and I wish I would have known some of this stuff then. Like, like we said, I need to spend more time meditating and reading than I did grinding my head into the wall and continuing to stress my mind and my body more and more and more and more. And I had a panic attack and, you know, a sort of low level, I guess you'd say like mental breakdown when we were in the middle of our competitive season because I had all of these, you know, business things that were very, very stressful. I had coaches leaving. I had to train up new coaches. We were going through sort of a transition period. I was trying to program for the two separate competitive teams, a games uh, person, uh, my personal training clients, class, uh, the side programs, uh, barbell club and all these different things. And, you know, I felt like I was kind of had, like we just talked about, I had a lot of this weight weighing down on me. Well, at the time I was also doing a lot of workouts. I was really pushing the envelope in terms of human performance. And what I didn't understand at the time was how the two stresses sort of interacted with each other. And, you know, I needed to think about maybe doing some less stressful, lower key exercises and some things that maybe just helped me rebalance myself chemically so that I could deal with some of the stresses a little bit better or more creatively, or I could have thought through those problems like I did once I stopped. Right. And I was able to go out and make pretty obvious decisions, right? Like, okay, so you're doing all this stuff and you're super stressed. What do you do? Well, you hire somebody to help you, right? That seems pretty obvious. But at the time that was not super obvious to me. And a lot of that was because I was so caught up in sort of this rat race, right? And I wasn't able to step back and think logically and think creatively about how to get myself out of that cycle. And so that stuff just piles up. And just for no reason, one day while I was doing a workout, I just started crying, had no idea why. Uh, just couldn't help it and just kind of started to freak out uh, a little bit embarrassing, obviously um, super concerning for the team who was with me that day. And it was just kind of everything, you know, coming to a head. And unfortunately at the time I didn't really uh, treat it or recognize it. And I didn't really take action on it until probably, man, maybe almost a year later. And that was something for me that caused me, you know, about a year later, once I started to work on that, to really think objectively and make some decisions uh, that were hard decisions, but allow us to get to a place where I knew I was on the right track for my own, you know, mental and physical well-being, which for those of you guys who see me work out now, I think a lot of people, you know, ask me all the time, like, oh, are you injured? Oh, are you this? Or are you that? And just because I'm choosing to maybe do a lighter weight or I'm choosing to do a scale that's maybe going to be a little bit less stressful on my body. And a lot of times what that really means is I may be dealing with quite a bit of stress in, you know, my personal life or in my business life. And I need to not compound that stress on my mind and on my body with, you know, taking myself up to the limit that day. And what I really need out of the workout that day is just to kind of, you know, get my aerobic system working, reset my cortisol levels, get some of those great, you know, endorphins running through my body and get back to a place where I'm kind of clear headed and pair that up with a little meditation before bed. And then you'll, for me, at least I usually hit this kind of stretch between, you know, seven and 10, where I feel like I'm just in a, a much calmer, better space. And that's really what 
exercise can provide for us. So it's super, super, super important for us to have that understanding and really get why and when we need to come and exercise. And I think one of the most interesting things is because of the way CrossFit is sometimes, it's counterproductive to that. People want to come in and they want to compete. They want to push it with their friends. They want to have this kind of status flex and, you know, like, look at me, look, I'm doing 185 today or I'm doing 125. Like, look how much stronger I've gotten or this or that. And so they only want to come in on days where they feel good. And I hear this often. I didn't feel good. So I didn't work out. And man, if you really understand kind of what's going on there, it should be the opposite. We need to come and get the exercise. We need that chemical rebalance. We need the positive endorphins and the positive chemicals that help us balance out the negative ones on days when we're not feeling great, when our mood's not there, when we're stressed. And if we have that understanding more, we had a rough day, right? We won't make the choice to go home straight after work and skip out on, you know, the, the important process that we know is what's best for us and make the bad decision and compound that bad decision with maybe bad food and make more bad decisions. We won't do that if we have this understanding And that is why I think that I say that this is kind of the most important podcast that I'll do is this is what we're talking about here is if you understand this, what you'll find is exercise can become this amazing addition to your life. This amazing thing that helps you feel better, helps you think clearly, helps you solve problems and reduce stress in other areas of your life. And helps you operate at your peak capacity in terms of being with your family, being at work and, you know, but not running faster miles and not lifting more weights. It like those things are fun in the short term. They give us that kind of short term feedback. But we also need to be in tune with the short term feedback of just feeling better. When you drive home, having less stress, less tension in your shoulders and neck and head because you're not such this ball of stress. And what I would caution you guys, especially those of you guys who work out in the morning, is really try to pay attention on days when you don't work out how you operate and how you feel. And for those of you guys who work out in the evening, I would tell you, once your workout is done, do not engage in any more stressful activity for the day if you can possibly help it do things that are love and relationship building like stick a little bit more to things that we know are going to be de-stressing right meditate read do puzzles enjoy a movie or a tv show you know sit down and have a meal with your family go out and just give people hugs (laughs) like just do things that are de-stressing and if you do that after your exercise, you'll get a good night's sleep and you'll wake up and you'll just be so so much more free to go into whatever the stresses of your day are and deal with those. And the last one then, guys, is sleep. So this is kind of your third sword to fight against stress, to fight against those elevated cortisol levels every day. 
And we're not going to talk too much about food. This will be something a little bit more for Andy that he can talk about how food benefits uh, and how food can also take away and and create stress and creates different sorts of stress in our body, oxidative stress and gut stress and some of these other things. Uh, But also talk about things in our lives like over drinking coffee, uh, which kind of can screw up some of those, you know, adrenaline and chemicals and, you know, cortisol. But he can talk a little bit more about that. And that does clearly have a place in this conversation, but it's a little bit beyond uh, my scope in terms of really dialing in the chemical negative effects and positive effects of nutrition uh, as it goes to this one specific thing. And Andy can talk about how, and this is why, you know, you want to think about, you know, food is medicine and exercise is medicine, because these things are going to help you balance out things like panic attacks and anxiety attacks and depression and some of these other things. So we need to look at the whole picture. And so, yes, obviously, you know, nutrition is right above mindset. And this is so our mindfulness training is kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, But nutrition is obviously a massive component of that. So let's talk about sleep. All right. Now, sleep is one of those ones where sleep, I think it's really obvious to people that it stimulates those creative parts of your brain. And we want that out of sleep. You should be dreaming, right? Like that's the point of sleeping is we want to fire those parts of our brain up. We want our brain and everything to be kind of resetting itself and, and getting refreshed and dealing with the issues. And what a lot of people see is when we stop dreaming, a lot of times what that's going to come from is really consistent, elevated levels of stress. And we aren't able to get to this place of kind of shutting down the things that are stressing us out and allowing that creative part of our brain to fire up. And so if that's you, because I know that's a lot of you, and my hope is that those of you guys who uh, talk with people who struggle to sleep or people who don't dream is you can send them this podcast and this will be a little bit of a shining light. Now, if you go and you download Headspace, which is a meditation app that I did for almost a year every day, their sleep one, they tell you to do both in the middle of the day and before bed. It's a two prong issue. And so think about why that might be. The reason is because if we carry all this stress throughout our day and we never allow ourselves to kind of shut down those stress chemicals and get the creative part of our brains working, the problem solving is a logic. If we're not if we're not firing those parts of our brain up, we're suppressing them. Right. Is another way to look at that. Then when it comes to bedtime, we're not going to be able to just in one stint get to that place, right? Like it's, it's, it's this multi-tiered process of de-stressing yourselves and allowing yourself to get to the right place. So when we think about that, right, we want to kind of allow ourselves to go to bed and let's just talk about like optimal bedtime routines. Okay. We're not going to, this may be a topic for another conversation. Maybe we'll do a part two with nutrition and cell phones and computers and screens and some of these other things that add stress to our lives, right? The little dinger on our email, on our phone, boom, elevates your cortisol levels. Like all that stuff's proven. It's scary. It's terrifying. And so when we start getting closer to bed, let's talk about some optimal things you can do, right? Reading fiction books, right? So something like 
you know, Lord of the Rings or you know, something that's just inherently creative by nature, Harry Potter, right? And reading these books that create these colorful images in your head and allow you to kind of think through and create these story fantasy worlds and characters that stimulates that part of your brain and is going to help you fall asleep faster. It's going to help you dream more. It's going to help you de-stress. So that's a great one to do before bed. We already talked about doing puzzles. You could think about communicating with like your kids, like telling stories. Why do kids fall asleep faster when you tell them stories? Huh, now you know right? That's why that's important. That's why you want to do that for your kids. You want to tell them stories before they go to bed. Okay. Kids shouldn't be feeling any stress, right? But this is why we want to do this This is why it puts them to sleep. It's why it allows them to dream and sleep deeply. And so as we start to kind of have a deeper understanding of these things, we want to adopt them as adults. And so we need to get in this, uh, the place where we adopt creativity before we go to bed. I was going to say creative things, but creative. So that's why that came out weird. Uh, we want to adopt things that, you know, kind of fire up our creative brains before we start to go to bed. What we don't want to do, the absolute worst case thing that you can possibly do. And the reason I probably woke up at 3 a.m. and started thinking about this last night is it is what I did last night. We fall into this trap check your email right before bed and you get an email. You get the email that you were like dreading that you were going to get that you didn't want to get that you didn't want to see. And now you just fired up your stress levels right before bed and then you don't sleep well. That's the way it happens. That's how quick it happens. And so this has to be something that's systemized. And I just like everybody, I fail I mess up my systems. I've had great systems in place over the years for sleep and falling asleep and getting to sleep at a specific time. No screens before bed, um, all those things. And I failed. I failed at it. Right. And here we are. Right. I woke up at 3 a.m. Wasn't dreaming. Wrote myself a lengthy email at 3 a.m. and sent it to me so I could do this podcast today. Didn't sleep great last night because I'm dealing with some things that are very stressful right now. And like we said before, when you are tested, when you come up to your your limit, right, when you start to engage things that are challenging you and that are more stressful, you're either going to fall on your systems or you're going to fail, right? And so my systems failed me last night um, and that happens. So I need to reevaluate my systems. I need to tighten the screws back up on it right? I have been doing some things like exercise very, very well, meditation pretty well, right? But bedtime routine, not where it needs to be right now. And so this is something that you guys need to, it's conceptually, you have to understand the underlying basis. So hopefully what I've talked about with that makes sense. Okay. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is something that you guys can look into and kind of, as you go up, just, you know, understanding the physiological needs and the safety and security, love and belonging and self-esteem. And you understand those hierarchy of needs. And those are the things that when we are threatened in those ways, that is what causes us stress. It is a genetic thing. You cannot stop it. You're going to feel the way that you feel. You're going to feel threatened for God knows what reason. And you guys have probably said the statement like, I don't know why this is bothering me. I don't know why I'm stressed about this. And deep down somewhere, that's where all that comes from. 
is you're feeling threatened somewhere in your safety and your security in the love and belonging that you have in the world. And when we start to feel that way, we start to feel stressed. We have to have systems in place to allow us to sort and organize those realize they're probably not that big of a deal, right? We're not really dealing with the stresses of our ancestors, right? We're not, we're not saber tooth tigers, not going to creep around the corner tomorrow while we're sleeping and, you know, maul our whole family to death. That's not the world we're living in yet. We are having the same stress reactions to cell phones and money in these made up human things that just really like don't matter outside of safety and security, making sure that we have a safe home to sleep in every night and that we have food to put on the table and that we are confident and secure in our future. So hopefully this kind of gives you guys a full picture and I love uh, helping people with sleep. It's a consistent study for me and I know that it's something that a lot of people struggle with and my guess is that you guys probably are doing one out of the three stress relievers in your life. So your next homework for this or your goal for this one today is going to be which of the other three. So my guess is you guys are exercising, right? And you probably have that one dialed in. Maybe not the way that we talked about. Maybe you're putting too much stress on yourself and pressure on yourself from an exercise perspective. But my guess is you're probably not doing one of the other three. And so that's going to be your homework for tonight is how can you take a couple steps to put some systems in place to engage in one of those other three to improve to get better, to move yourself forward so that you are de-stressing your life every day so that we don't struggle with anxiety so that we can get better. And once you guys start to dial this in, you're going to start to find that you can, I mean, you're going to elevate. You're going to elevate to such this, this crazy level because you're going to be this problem solver. You're going to be this creative brain. You're going to be this person who sees problems like you've never seen them before. You're going to be dealing with issues like nobody else around you who isn't doing these things. And then the more the, the you know, people who are, you know, absolutely knocking the uh, hierarchy of needs out out of the park. Right. The ones who are super confident, who, you know, don't struggle at all. They're making tons of money. They have, you know, tons of people who love they have a family and a spouse who, you know, constantly make them feel warm and welcome. They have a community of people who look up to them. So their physiological safety, love and belonging, their self-esteem super high. Well, guess what? Those are the ones, those people who, when they start to implement some of these steps also, it's sort of like the rich become richer, right? Because you have the freedom to start to work at de-stressing yourself even further so that you can see how you can get better at each of these things. So I hope that helps. Love you guys. And I hope you guys have a fantastic de-stressed week and uh, send this one out to somebody who, you know, is struggling with some stuff, anxiety, stress, uh, whatever it might be. And uh, I'm sure that this one can hopefully shine some light on that and help. And uh, maybe we can clip this one out and, and put it on some social for you guys to share. Thanks.